Numbers chapter number two. Numbers chapter two, verses one through five. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron. I want you to look at somebody and tell them the Lord spoke. The Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, Every man of the children of Israel shall pitch by his own standard with the ensign of their father's house far off about the tabernacle of the congregations shall they pitch. And on the east side toward the rising of the sun shall they of the standard of the camp of Judah pitch throughout their armies. And Nashon, the son of Amminadab, shall be captain of the children of Judah. And his host and those that were numbered of them were threescore and fourteen thousand and six hundred. And those that do pitch next unto him shall be the tribe of Issachar, and Nethaniel, the son of Zuar, shall be captain of the children of Issachar. Well, I wish they used names like Bob and Dan and but they didn't. I want to preach this morning on a message titled Point Zero. Point Zero. God, I pray that you anoint me to preach. I feel a great anointing of the Holy Ghost here. Thank you, God, for anointing our music team and the singers to lead us into your presence. Thank you for a church that loves to worship. God, that glorified your name to create an atmosphere where miracles can happen. Lord, I pray, anoint me to preach. Anoint our ears to hear. But God, most of all, I pray that you would come down into this place. God, that your anointing would destroy yokes. And that God, you would confirm your word with signs following. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Moving millions of people across an ancient wilderness was no small task. But such was the assignment to which Moses was commissioned. If there was not order and organization, the entire endeavor would have descended into chaos and failure. God knowing that organization was essential to success instituted a system to make sure that proper order was kept in the camp of Israel. As part of this system, each of the 12 tribes had a specific flag, referred to in our text as a standard. Every standard had an ensign or a symbol that represented one of the tribes of the nation of Israel. God made it clear that every tribe had a place. 
and order. But he also made it clear that the center of it all was the tabernacle, the house of God. Every tribe realized that though they had their place, they were not the center of the camp. They had their position, but the center of it all was always the house of God. Our modern world places self and self-gratification at the center of importance. We live in an age uniquely enslaved to its appetites and desires. The goal of this modern world is to attain whatever seems to satisfy and give pleasure for the moment with no thought of eternity. The rallying cry of the Woodstock generation was, if it feels good, do it. That mantra has since become the defining slogan of carnal humanity, guiding their aspirations and also our response to the sinful culture. God made it clear that though to the world self-gratification is the center of it all, that that's not the way it is in his kingdom. In truth, the deepest desires of the human heart are ultimately only obtained in the presence of God. You can't get it in a bar room. You can't get it at a sporting event. You can't get it at a concert. You can't get it in the arms of another individual. Our deepest desires are ultimately only attained in the presence of a true and living God. Our desire for perfect happiness, perfect contentment, perfect peace really can only be satisfied when we're in communion with God and His Spirit dwells within us. There is no substitute. Everything else falls far short. Everything else is at best a temporary band-aid to a permanent spiritual situation. But we are fallen. And with the fallen nature of mankind, our desires are distorted and disordered. We need the influence of the Spirit of God and the Word of God to reorder our priorities and our desires. God's kingdom is not a democracy or a republic. It's a theocracy with God at the middle of it all. And when we think of the children of Israel camping in the wilderness, very often we think of them as packing up and moving every day, or every day or two, but that's not really how it went. They would travel to a suitable location, and then they would camp in that place sometimes for weeks and months at one point so long that God told him, you've been here long enough. Now it's time to go forward. They would stay in one place as long as there were adequate supplies. They had these moments of rest so their bodies and their livestock could be renewed and they could regain their health and strength. And so it was in the times when Israel would find a fitting location to rest that they would settle into a normal 
habitual lifestyle. They found routines that developed in these camping places. Often men would go into the wilderness to hunt. Women would go to water sources for washing, etc. Children would play in the camp with their friends around the campfire. The teenagers, I suspect, would eat from daylight till dark. But as the sun would begin to hide behind the horizon, and it was time to retreat for the evening, the onset of the darkness of night, in a land with no street lights, in a makeshift camp with thousands and thousands of tents that basically all looked the same, it would be very difficult to find home. Knowing this, God instituted a system to make sure that they always knew where they were supposed to be in the camp of Israel. This system would work regardless of where or what kind of terrain they were camping. God always had the tabernacle at the center of the camp. From there, every tribe had a prescribed location. If you could just see the cloud of God's glory, you could find your way home. If you could see the pillar of fire by night, you knew where your tribe would be oriented with the house of God. The Bible said in Numbers 2 and 3, on the east side towards the, toward the rising of the sun, shall they of the standard of the camp of Judah pitch to the east side of the tabernacle, the tribe of Judah. The Bible said that Judah always camped towards the rising of the sun. It was God's will and God's plan. Remember, God spoke to Moses and Aaron. It was God's plan that the sun would always rise over Judah. No matter how long and dark the night in the wilderness may be, the sun would rise on the shoulders of Judah. It's often referred to in preaching. You're going to hear it this morning and tonight that the tribe of Judah, the name Judah means praise. When you see the name of Judah, it literally means to praise the Lord. I love that Leah, when she gave birth to that child, she wanted to make sure that every time anybody saw him, it reminded them that God was worthy to be praised. God designed it that the sun would rise on Judah. And may I tell you this morning that if you'll be a worshiper, you guarantee that the sun will ultimately come up for you. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. If you'll be a praiser, the sun will sometime, eventually the sun will rise for you. If you'll be a worshiper, you guarantee that you see the sunshine before the others will. Amen. Despite my trials, I've decided I'm going to be a worshiper because I need the sun to rise on my trials. Despite all my battles, I'm going to be a praiser because I need the sun to shine on my battles. 
despite any difficulties. I'm going to be a praiser because the sun always rises on Judah. You can't let the devil fool you into thinking that all these people up here shouting and carry on. We're doing it because everything was perfect. They're not shouting because everything's perfect. They're shouting because they know they need the sun to shine on their family, on their children, on their life, on their circumstances, on their situations. And by being a praiser, you guarantee a sunrise on yourself. Oh, praise God. It's a matter of divine order. It's a, it's a matter of divine decree that God has determined that his praisers orient themselves so that the sun will come up on them. The entire system was based on the command of God. Numbers 2 and 1, the Lord spake unto Moses and unto, unto Aaron. God told Moses, make sure that you get the worshipers on the east side of the tabernacle because I want to make sure that everybody knows that the first rays of sunshine don't come down on the complainer and the whiner and the worrier, that the first rays of sunshine don't come down on the faithless and the unfaithful. But I want you to know that it, by divine order, I have determined that a praiser will get the first glimpse of a morning sun that the praiser will get the first rays of light in the day. God, I want to be a worshiper. I don't want to dwell in darkness any longer than I have to. So I made up my mind. I'm a, Look, somebody ought to praise God right now in spite of your trouble. If you need the sun to rise on your marriage, you ought to slip your hand up and say, God, I need the sun. If you need God to touch your children, you ought to throw your hands up in prayer. You ought to open your mouth and be a worshiper because divine order has declared that sun rises on the praiser. right now. I wish somebody just do it right now. Hallelujah. God designed it. Brother Patton, God designed it that the worshiper gets the light first. Amen. I made up my mind a long time ago, Brother Wilson. I made up my mind when I was a teenager and I got in church that I was going to be a worshiper. I don't jump as high as I used to. And I sure don't do it as long as I used to. But I have never fallen out of love with worship. It's the light of my life. It's what breaks the darkness out of my life. It's what brings the light into my situations. I want to be a worshiper. Somebody ought to praise him right now. You ought to not let the devil make you feel uncomfortable to worship. You ought to never feel intimidated or awkward in worship. If you feel the least bit awkward, you ought to do it again just to make sure that you find yourself a comfort zone in praising God because that's how the sun shines in your life. The Lord spoke. God demanded this orientation. Can I tell you, it is a matter of divine decree that sun rises on Judah. The devil doesn't have to like it. Matter of fact, 
The devil hates it. That's one reason I like it so much. Because I know that he can't stand it. Amen. I, my wife told me, I think it was Friday. She said, Brother Carson, I know you're not going to believe this. I know you're my friend. She said, I had an ornery look on my face. I hear smart Alex in the house. Some of you hadn't made a sound all morning, and then all of a sudden you wake up. Hypocrite, hypocrite. I said, well, what does it look like? She said, I can't do it, but you've got it. I like to aggravate Kate. Kate doesn't like to be touched. So I like to see how close I can get my finger to her shoulder. And that aggravates her even more, which is why I do it. The devil doesn't like it when we worship. He hates it when we worship. So devil, you want to take this one too? Some of you make the devil too comfortable in your life. You make the devil too comfortable around you when you're in church. Where if you would worship, he might run off to somebody else that's dead. Because he understands that God said sun rises on the worshiper. And the devil doesn't like the light. He's a child of the darkness. And so when you worship and you bring the sunshine into your life, he goes to another dark place. So by law, I wouldn't let my seat be a dark place right now. I wouldn't let my pew be a dark place in this church. I wouldn't let my row be a dark place. I'd run the devil out with my praise if it was the last thing and the best thing I ever did. The devil doesn't have have to like it. Your enemies don't have to approve of it. All of hell can fight against it. But God said, you put Judah on the east because I want the sun to come up on my praisers. I want the sun to rise on my worshipers. I want the first thing that the world sees is somebody that's willing to praise me. Amen. That's why I love a worshiping church. Because when those cameras come on, I want the world to see that God's praisers aren't ashamed to give. And then they watch as the sun comes down. Hallelujah. And we had a guy in the church I grew up in, we had a guy, he wore us out trying to get the Holy Ghost. He'd go to the altar every service. Back then we had Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday and Thursday. He'd go to the altar every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday, and Thursday. We had revival. We went every revival night. We had special service, fellowship meeting. We went every special service and fellowship meeting. He'd come to the altar. He'd kneel down, and he wouldn't move a muscle. And then he'd get frustrated because he didn't get the Holy Ghost. He just, and, and it went on for a long time. And he said, I'll never act like that. I'll never carry on like that. I won't, I, it's just not in me. I'm too... I'm too reserved to act that way. And he went on for years. Trying, but, but, the, but the one time, the one time that he decided, I'm not just going to come and just expect God to give me everything I want on my terms. I'm going to come, and if he says to praise, then that's what I'm going to do. And when Brother Lee got to the altar that night, he raised his hands and he began to worship, and the Holy Ghost hit him like a lightning bolt. 
And about an hour later, he came to, and he had shouted all over that church because it's a divine decree. It's divine order that when somebody praises, the sun shines on them. God designed it that way. God spoke to Moses, and he said, you make sure my people know that the first rays of sunshine are coming down. That's why if I needed a miracle right now, I'd do everything I could to worship God. I wouldn't let any, I wouldn't care what anybody thought about. If I needed a miracle right now, I wouldn't worry about what anybody thought. If I needed God to change my circumstance, I'd give God praise because I want to see the sun to shine. Oh, somebody ought to praise him. Hallelujah. God determined that the sun will rise on Judah. Therefore, therefore, it was a responsibility on Judah to find his place. Judah couldn't wait for everything to be perfect. Because the entire nation was waiting on praise to find its place. Judah had to be first. It couldn't delay, couldn't dawdle, couldn't defer. Judah was responsible. If you want the sunshine, you have a responsibility that goes along with it. And Judah couldn't wait to see what everybody else was going to do. Because everybody was waiting on Judah to get in its place. And when Judah got in their place, everybody else knew where their place was. You don't wait to see how everything's going to turn out. Well, God, if you'll pay this bill for me, I'm going to worship you. You don't wait for someone else to get started. If so-and-so will run, I'll run. You don't wait for someone else to If sister so-and-so will go to the altar, I'll go to the altar. If you're a praiser, you don't wait on anybody else. You go first because everybody's waiting on you. You don't wait for your favorite song. You don't wait for your favorite type of music. You don't worry. You don't complain. You don't fuss. Praisers just go first. When you walk through that door, if you're a praiser, you walk through that door shouting. You walk through that door ready to praise God. A worshiper will worship. Amen. It's a matter of divine order and decree. Everything else is a violation. And so it was that once Judah was set in his array. To the east of the tabernacle, every tribe by their course would then find their place. Once Judah was in the place, Issachar could find their place. And so on, all the way around the tabernacle, once Judah got in its place, everything else fell in place. Can I tell you, there's nothing worse than a dead Pentecostal church or a dead Pentecostal. Amen. Because if praise isn't in order, then nothing else finds its place. If we don't get worship right, it's hard to preach. It's hard to have an altar service. It's hard to have anything. But if praise gets going like it did this morning, people just decided, I'm gonna, it's been a long, rough week. I'm going to tell you, it's been a rough week for this church. But here we come in the house of God. And when the presence of God begins to move, we begin to worship. And once worship gets in its place, the Holy Ghost starts moving. Uh, and all over this I feel it right now. I feel it coming because praise has found its place. I'm going to tell you, your life will get order if you'll get your praise in order. Your, your marriage will get in order if you get your praise in order. Your kids will get in order if you get your praise in order. But if praise doesn't find its place, nothing else falls into place. 
Somebody ought to talk in tongues right now. I feel a wave of God's glory. I feel the sun starting to shine in here. I feel a fresh ray of sun lighting on Bethlehem this morning. tell you the devil can't take your praise the devil can't take your worship he cannot steal it from you because it does not belong to him it belongs to God and he has no right to your worship if the devil has your praise it's because you relinquished it by your will you gave it up by your desire but if you can get it back any moment you want you can get it back at any time you want you don't have to ask God's permission he said let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. Somebody ought to do it right now. Somebody's feeling a longing in their spirit for something real and supernatural. You ought to open your mouth and say, I love you, Lord. I need you. It's Holy Ghost time right now. It's renewing time right now. It's miracle time. God, I release signs and wonders and miracles over the worshipers today. God, I release financial blessing over the praisers today. I release peace and joy and deliverance from anxiety and depression and discouragement on the praisers today. God, I release peace into the home of a worshiper today. God, I release peace in families of worshipers right now. Oh, God, I pray the sun to shine. I pray the sun to rise. Woo, Jesus. I'll go ahead and talk in tongues for a while. There's something real happening right now. God can do more in a moment than what I can do and preach it all day. I dare, I dare somebody that's struggling. I dare somebody that's been fighting to go ahead and reclaim your worship right now. When Goliath marched out against the children of Israel, he went to the valley of Elah, and the Bible said, which belongeth to Judah, the real estate that Goliath was standing on did not belong to Goliath, it belonged to the worshipers. You You have every right today to say, devil, get off my territory. I live in the land of worship. Oh, that's right. You ought to go ahead and grab somebody by the hand and raise it to heaven and just say, I'm a worshiper. I'm calling for the sun to rise. A husband and wife, a husband and wife ought to lift their hands and worship God and say, God, I'm going to call the sunshine into my home. You ought to walk through the hallways of your house shouting and talking in tongues. 
You ought to walk into your kids' prayer bedrooms and you ought to just begin worshiping God and praising God. You ought to walk around your yard and begin to pray. It doesn't matter what your neighbors think. They're not the ones that can bring the sunshine into your family. You ought to reclaim the territory of Judah. Bible says to clap your hands all ye people and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. I don't care what denominational Christianity says. There's nowhere in the Bible where he took it back. The Bible said rejoice ye in that day and leap for joy. And it doesn't matter what denominations say. The Bible never took it back. It said to praise him in the dance and to make a loud noise and to sing a new song. The Bible told us to do it and he never took it back. once they got the house of God in the right place and they got their praise in the right place everything else began to fall in the right place we want to get everything in our life to work out but we won't, don't want to be committed to the house of God and we, and we don't want to be a worshiper but the God by divine order said set up the house of God and then get your praise in the right place and then everything else will work out Here's the way the New Testament said. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added. Everything else will work out if you get the house of God right and you get praise right. You, 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 see, you see this picture. It says point zero. Everybody say point zero. Congratulations, you just spoke in French. That is, a, that is a brass plate in the city of Paris, France. They call it point zero. Anywhere you are in the world, if you type in how far it is from where you are to Paris, France, it will measure from where you, you're I'm assuming you're using a phone as we all do. From where you're standing to that spot right there. It's the distance to that plate. It's point zero. If you are in my office in Bethlehem, it is 4,532.09 miles from my office desk to that brass plate. you live in Oxford, Mississippi, you are from downtown Oxford to that brass plate, you're 4,555 miles to there. 
That brass plate marked the center of the world to them. It's called point zero. It doesn't measure you to the Eiffel Tower. It doesn't measure you to the Arc de Triomphe. And it doesn't measure you to the Louvre Museum. It measures you to that point. And that point is on the ground right in front of the doors of the Cathedral of Notre Dame. Because they always measured themselves by how far they were from the house of God. Didn't matter how far they were from the sporting arena or from their workplace or from the woods where they hunt or the lake where they fish. It didn't measure how far they were from their friend's house or from their work or their school or the mall or this place or that place. They always measured themselves by how far am I from the door of the house of God because that's the center of everything. That is point zero. If your brass plate is at a basketball arena or a football stadium or a golf course or a workplace or an office or the woods or the lake or the river or anywhere else but the house of God, you are not oriented properly. Point zero is get the house of God right and get your praise right and everything else will work out. If you'll get the house of God right and you'll get your praise right, you'll find that God's right in the middle of everything you do. What I'm calling for us today to do is make sure we got point zero right in our life, that everything we do is measured. Is it help me with my walk with God or does it drive me further from the house of God? Does it get me closer to the altar or does it drive me further from the altar? Can I do this and keep my spirit right and my mind pure and my hands clean? Can I do this and still be a worshiper or does it give me... Some people... Not, can I preach this? Just, just, can I just have a minute or two more? There's some people, Bishop, that when the worship service is going on, they don't worship because they're condemned by what they've done the night before and the Friday night before, and the condemnation has bound their worship because they haven't found themselves at point zero. Come on, you got to get your walk with God right. Get the house of God right. Get your worship right, and everything else will fall in line. Oh, can you lift your hands to heaven and worship him? The most important thing in my world is point zero. My marriage can't be right if, if I'm not at point zero. My relationship with my children can't be right if I'm not at point zero. I can't be the man I'm supposed to be. God, help me get point zero. God, help me get point zero. Come on, I, I'm, the, the, the spirit of conviction has now moved. When we had rejoicing, now, now the spirit of that rejoicing was to prepare the atmosphere for some of us to face the reality that our life needs to be recentered. Bishop, I was driving somewhere off God only knows where. And I was, I was using Google Maps to get me where I go because for some reason, Apple Maps won't talk to my car. 
And if it don't talk to me, I don't pay attention to it. And so I use Google Maps. Some of you young, smart alecks might be able to help me with that. They, they help me with technology, and the whole time they're looking at me like I'm a moron. And I am. But I don't want to be looked at like I am. And I, I, was, I was on that GPS, and I, was, I thought, sure, there's got to be a better way. I, I know where I was going. I was going to the airport to fly out. There was an accident on the, on the interstate, and I was trying to find my way. And I thought, sure, there's got to be a better way. And so I was trying to move that map around. And I couldn't find a better way. And worst of all, the blue line that showed me what to do was gone. And I'm like, I don't know what to do now. And so I pull off in this little church parking lot, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. And I'm thinking, I'm trying my best. And, and, and then I see this little blue thing on the bottom, and it says, re-center. And just like that, everything came back into focus. It is so easy. It is so easy to get to get out of direction. It's so easy. By accident, just life can take off. And before you know it, you don't even know where you are. And sometimes you just need a pastor to get in a pulpit on a Sunday morning and say it's time to find point zero again. We've done all this, but if we don't get the house of God right, if we don't get this right, nothing else works. So I'm asking somebody, hit recenter on your life today. Hit recenter on your life. And come back to point zero. As your hands are lifted all over this place, I'm going to make a mass invitation to the altar. I'm going to ask everybody that can and everybody that will to find your way. If you're already here, why don't you press in close so there's plenty of room. But I want everybody to come if you can. I understand if you can't. I guess I understand if you don't want to, but I don't like it. What I'm asking is for us just to touch recenter on our life right now and say, God, help me to come back to point zero. Search my heart, oh God. See if there be any wicked way. Search my heart, oh God, and help me, Lord Jesus, to reorient the things that matter most. The Lord spake to Moses, set up the tabernacle. Get the house of God right. And then get your praise right. And then everything else falls into place. I started a Bible study with a couple a few weeks ago. And the Bible study started just trying to get their life together. Didn't really have anything going. Just hoping that somehow God would restart. And just in the few weeks that they re-centered life, God's given them a good job and He's made a way. He's provided for them. Because if you can get the center right and you get your praise right, then the Word promises all these things shall be added. And so God help me to find point zero in my life. 
Help me not to get so distracted by things in this world. Come on, are you praying with me right now? This is between you and God. I've done everything I can do. I've brought you as close to point zero, as close to the altar as I can. But from here, you have to turn yourself towards the house of God. You've got to turn yourself towards Judah. be honest, this isn't the time for whispered prayers. God, my family needs you. God, the only way we'll survive in this wicked world is if we find point zero. Our kids will be washed away by new age and modern philosophies that are against the word of God if we don't find point zero. Our marriages can be swept away by the flirtations of another man or another woman. If we don't find point zero. Pornographic website will replace what God instituted in our marriage if I don't find point zero and get myself oriented properly. I'll be a winner at work and a loser at worship. I don't find point zero. I'll be good at buying gifts, but I'll be bad at the gifts of the Spirit if I don't find point zero. Help me to orient my life. Come on, are you talking to God? Every parent ought to say, God, help me to parent from point zero. Every parent ought to say, God, help me to lead my family with point zero in my mind. Help me to lead my family from point zero. Come on, dads. Why don't you men and young men reach over and lay your hand on one another? God, help me to lead my family from point zero. Help me to get the house of God right and help me get my worship right. Come on, moms. Come on, young ladies. Why don't you reach over and pray one for another and ask God to help us find point zero in our lives. God said, God said, Brother Patton, the Lord said, Get the house of God right. Get Judah right. And then the sun will come up and will shine on the congregation. Young folks, don't get distracted by the things of this world. Keep your eyes on point zero. If you'll get point zero right, God will give you the right job. And God will give you the right spouse. God will give you the right things the right career if you'll put point zero where it needs to be then everything else goes out from there Lord I'm asking you this morning Lord I'm asking you God to pour a blessing on your people this morning God I'm asking 
pour a blessing on David this morning, God. Lord, restore to him the years that the locust and the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm ate. And God, I pray that you fill the vat with new wine and oil. In the name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. God, Taylor, put some opportunities on hold because he wanted to make sure that he had his walk with you right. Don't, don't let the devil torment him that he made a mistake or threw it away. God, I pray you bless him for finding point zero in his life. God, I pray you pour out a mighty anointing on him that he'll walk in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. God, that you'll open heaven and pour a blessing on him. Right, let's spend some time in prayer. One, you, you can pray, pray, find somebody to pray with. Be led of the Holy Ghost. Maybe you've got young people here at the altar, and you're a mom and dad or a grandparent, and you want to go and just put your arm around them. Or maybe you're a young person in God's land, somebody else on your heart, and you want to go to them. Let's just make sure we find point zero this morning. And let's let God begin to work.
worship you forever. I'm gonna worship you. I'm gonna worship you forever. I'm gonna worship you. Thinking of 
scripture in John 7 verse 38 Jesus says out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water this spake he of the spirit which they that believe upon him should receive for the Holy Ghost had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. And we know that's basically speaking about the Holy Ghost couldn't be poured out until the body of Jesus was glorified after his ascension or resurrection. But looking at it in a spiritual sense, how many times has the Holy Ghost not been poured out because we would not glorify God? Scripture says that He inhabits the praises of His people. When we begin to glorify God, God said, I'm going to move in to that tabernacle. I'm going to move into that house. Let's glorify the Lord continually so the Holy Ghost can be given, so the Holy Ghost can be poured out in a greater measure than ever before. Hallelujah. If I be lifted up, Jesus said, I will draw all men unto me. Let's lift him up this morning. Let's clap our hands unto him. Let's give him praise and glory and honor right now. In the name of Jesus. If appropriate, would you just lay your hand on someone's shoulder next to you and pray with them right now and say, God, make us worshipers. Make us praisers, oh God. Help us, Lord, to realize how important it is that we glorify you and magnify your holy name. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. One more time, can we clap our hands to the Lord? God bless you. Thank you, Lord. Let's come back tonight, entering into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. God bless you in Jesus' name.